Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. I think that Handsome is sort of the, a mystery band around that time because I think some people believe that it was a band that was like, you know, formed by by a major label to like get signed and, and kind of take advantage of that post-hardcore, post-rock thing that was happening at the time. It wasn't the case at all. Um, the band was formed by Peter Mangaday, who is an Australian guy. Uh, who was in Helmet during the Strap It On and Meantime records, and um, I think he was he was let go from the band and then replaced by Rob Echevarria in Helmet, um, and uh, he formed the band with this guy Eddie Nappy, who he I think he met literally at Tompkins Square Park in the East Village, because um, I think Eddie recognized. Peter and was like, aren't you in Helmet? And he was like, yeah. And they were, they were like, we should form a band. And they were into that post-rock, you know, that chugga-chugga, helmety type thing that was happening at the time. And then they got Pete Hines, who had just, uh, I think he was finishing up his degree um, in Boston, got an English degree, and he was the former drummer of Murphy's Law, and the Cro-Mags, and I think he spent a little time in Agnostic Front, and uh, he was in some other, you know, it was the 90s, so he had, like, kind of moved on. He was playing, I can't remember the band he played in in Brooklyn, but it was like a, it was like a rock band that he was playing in for a while. Um, so they were a band for a little bit before, before when I still lived in Utah, um, and I, let's see, I had quit Iceburn here in Salt Lake City, and I had formed this band called Lumberjack with Matt Mateus um, and a couple of other dudes. This guy Jeff Johnson, who who's been in New York forever now too, and and but they were all Salt Lakers. And uh, Andy Patterson was our drummer, and he's got he's like a guy with a studio here in Salt Lake, and he records tons of hardcore and metal bands, and I think from all over the place. Um, he's a great dude. Uh, and we had gotten to the end of that band, and I was fried. I was, like, doing college, and I was sort of tired. Of, Salt Lake felt really small at the time. This was, like, pre-internet, pre-cell phone. So it felt like I knew I knew all the places, I knew all the people, and I was just, like, I was over it. And I had a real big fascination with uh, New York City. I loved all the hardcore from there when I was a kid, and I thought the city was just, like, you know, otherworldly and um i was friends with 
Richie, um, who was in Youth of Today, and then uh, sang for Into Another. And Into Another came through Salt Lake City, and I think I was just desperately asking questions about New York, like, what what's it like? And, and um, you know, we used to, like, I had all these pen pals from around the, I think I talked about this on, on the Where It Went podcast, but I was a super pen pal guy. Richie was one of my pen pals, and then we used to, like, call each other. Um, and uh, I, I said, um, are you guys going on tour anytime, you know, in the spring? I think this was 1993. Um, and do you need help? And he was like, yeah, we need some help. We're going on tour. Do you want to come? And I was like, yes. I'll quit school. I'll quit college. I'll just, like, stop everything, and I, w- I want to go on tour. And he's like, okay, I think we've got probably, like, three months of work for you. You can come out, sell T-shirts, help drive the van. Um, you know, this is sort of like like the end of the of the hardcore days before it was like a big business when it was like you would just take your friends out and they would help you drive the van and sell T-shirts and load gear and all that. I didn't have you know I, I didn't have the title of tour manager or anything like that. Um, so I went out with them and I ended up staying. A bunch of their shows got canceled. I ended up staying in New York for like ten days. And, and, and during that time, I, I sort of like, I was exploring the city. I didn't know much about it, so I was going out and exploring the city. Richie had lots of stuff to do, so um, I happened to meet, like, some of the people who were living at the Equal Vision house at the time. Um, I'm blanking on names right now. Luke and uh, Luke Hoverman and, um, oh, shoot. Anyway, they took, and I ended up, I ended up sort of hanging out with Scoots. Uh, who was in Texas is the reason, not at the time, but uh, he uh, and his roommates were um, Brian and Glenn Mariansky, his brothers. I eventually ended up being in Jets Brazil with Brian Mariansky, but it was years later. And um, I remember hearing about this band, Handsome, that was in New York, and I was like, that's an awesome name. And they were like, yeah, it's a, it's got Peter, this guy who used to be in Helmet, and Pete Hines are in the band. And they have this this singer dude, and, and I guess the singer was like kind of a 90s grunge guy. He was like one of those, you know, yeah, 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 like uh, not yeah, 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 the band, but like uh, like a like a, a Creed guy, you know. I was like just a, thinking like Creed a, when you said yeah, that. Yeah, like a third generation, like Pearl Jam dude who, who was like, had that like growly voice. And um, I was like, huh, that's, that sounds like a, it sounds like a cool band. And then I heard like they might be looking for a singer. Anyway, fast forward, fast forward six months, and I had moved to New York. I was like, all right, I'm moving to New York. I want to go out there and, and, like, try my luck. And I think I initially moved out there with thoughts of going to the new school and studying English, and that didn't pan out. Really, I just wanted to be in a band. And uh, I went to a Christmas party with Richie's sister, Allison, and she was friends with Arthur from, um, you know, Gorilla Biscuits and... Arthur was in Handsome at the time, because um, Eddie had uh, Eddie had either quit or been kicked out for a spell, and um, he showed up at this Christmas party with Pete Hines, and Pete, you know, was like, he's a funny dude. He cornered me and was like, "Oh, this little guy from Utah, who are you?" You know, and, and I was like, "Oh," and I I was like, "Wait, you you're in this band called Handsome, right?" And he's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Well, what's it like?" And he's like, "It's cool. We have this singer. We don't like him." Um, 
we're trying to we're trying to find a new singer and i was like well i'm a singer can i can i come try out i had been in new york for like three weeks i was still like trying to figure out where the hell i was all the time and um he's like yeah and so we casually set up we casually set up uh a rehearsal like a tryout and i went down and it was it was crazy. I had, you know, I, I was kind of used to being in band, hardcore bands with my friends and that we had formed and like planned. And, and they, they basically like had me into one of their rehearsals. It was Arthur, Peter Mingde and Pete Hines. And they were like, well, we're going to play a couple songs. Why don't you just, why don't you just stand up and sing? And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Just like that. Just sing. So I, I had had my like notebook of poetry and words. And so I, I did that. And then Pete took me home back to Brooklyn and he was like, Hey, we'll call you in a couple of days. So Peter called me and he was like, here's this tape, rewrite the lyrics to a couple of these songs, come back. And, um, they ended up taking me into their band and, um, Arthur quit the band to go, uh, do Civ cause Civ was just starting. And, um, Eddie came back to the band and then, uh, not long after that, Quicksand had, had broken up, you know, one of the sort of, I think they broke up several times, but they had broken up and, um, we had convinced Tom to come play with us. So that's how we, and then we were like this sort of five, five piece band. And, uh, it was at this time when there were major labels like swarming at all the shows in New York. So you would play, we played. CBGBs with Girls Against Boys and this band Walt Mink, who I used to love actually. And uh, um, we got, I remember getting, you know, just cards and handshakes and I'm a lawyer. I represent blah, blah, blah. I'm a, I'm an A&R guy. And I was like, well, this is wild. And I remember Peter saying to me, we're going to be signed within the year. And I was like, you're nuts. And he was like, no, trust me, watch, watch what's going to happen. There was just like a, you know, it was like a feeding frenzy for major labels at the time. They were going after any every band. And I think, you know, we had this, like, sort of, like, supergroup tag. I think I was probably the most, well, Eddie and I were the most, like, kind of unknown guys in the band. But uh, we got signed. I think we got signed about nine months later. So he was and right. So he was right he was within right. the year. He was right. We got, we, we took, like, you know, we took trips out to L.A. with, like, this guy Andy that used to run Virgin. Uh, and then this this label called the Work Group, which was another Sony label, and then Michael Goldstone from Epic, and there were a couple of others. Mike Gitter at the time worked for Atlantic, and he had taken us out a bunch of times, and we ended up signing with Michael Goldstone, who was like the A and R guy for Pearl Jam and Rage Against the Machine, Shudder to Think, uh, lots of bands, Screaming Trees, and um, is that why you guys kind of went with them? You, you looked at the track record of okay, he's with these bands, and I mean also. I mean, within those bands, I know I might be thinking, okay, wait, they're dealing with Shudder to Think, so they're going to be open to us being maybe a bit different than some of their yeah, other stuff. Sure. Yeah, he had bands from all over the map. He had this band called the Dirt Merchants, too, which I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think Nels Klein played in the band or played with some of the band members, too. But you know who Nels Klein is? Oh, yeah, He's, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, anyway... Yes, that was one of the deals. We were like, oh, Shudder to Think is very strange. We were fans, but, uh, and they had come kind of from the Discord scene, which was like, I thought that was like 
bit crazy that a Discord band was signing to a major label, but and at the time Michael was trying to sign Rancid, and anyway he he, it was all you know I was 23. It was all very impressive for me, and like I was my mind was blown. They would have us like up to the top of the Sony building and for lunch and and weird meetings with business people that I did not I didn't understand. Anyway, we it took us a while to make up our minds, but we decided to sign with Goldstone, and um, we were kind of off on our on our journey. Before that, we had been playing a lot around New York and doing weekends, playing in like Baltimore and Rhode Island and um, all these spots, you know, around kind of around the New York area. But after that, it was like we got serious about uh, making demos for the label, getting ready to record a record, and then you know getting set up with like a booking agent and getting ready to go on tour. So that was kind of the story. But I think to people outside of the, I think to people outside the area or the scene, we looked like a band that had just popped up out of nowhere and we're like, Hey, we're here. We got signed to a label. Now we're going to do, you know? So I think, I think some people thought it was a little gross <laughs> because um, at the time, because it seemed a little bit like put together as like a money-making machine, which it definitely like, I didn't make any fucking money off that band. Um, uh, or, you know, just this thing that where we were like, they were, we were taking advantage of uh, the kind of major label feeding frenzy at the time. 